Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. Poison Root, Chapter 11 Deep Round to Pid Trip staggered to his feet, sword in hand. Wait, he said, clutching at his aching knee. I'm not... No time for waiting, boy, Victor said, launching himself forward once again. His sword came around in an arc, and Trip barely got his own up to parry the blow. Victor leaned in as their blades locked and grinned ferociously. Never think you're going to get time to wait in a fight. You just have to always be ready. He sprang away, incredibly spry for someone so old. In a trice, he was charging forwards again. His feet moved in a complicated cross-step as he prepared to strike. Then you get your sword up here like this, and you've got him, boy, he said, repeating the movement slowly. Nothing to it. That move, the one that had started this training session, played out in the timeless instant between Victor moving and Trip bringing his sword up, a mirror-perfect version of what the old man had showed him. Right hand here, left hand there, and your enemy's sword should be... And you're dead, boy, Victor said. Trip felt the hard wooden practice blade resting against the back of his neck. He froze, shoulders hunched, then whipped around to face the old man. But that's not what you showed me! That's not how it's supposed to go, he shouted. He threw his own blade down in a sudden fit of pique. Victor stared at him a moment before stooping to pick up the fallen weapon. He tested the edge of the blade as he said, You think in a battle things will always go the way you expect, boy? You're right, of course. I didn't do it the way I showed you. Know why? No, but I bet you're going to tell me. Victor raised one snowy eyebrow. Not if you take that tone with me, boy. I ain't your punching bag and I ain't taking no insults off you. He turned his back and started to walk back towards their makeshift camp. Trip suddenly found his anger turning into regret and he trotted after Victor. In the three days since leaving Deep Round, Victor had mellowed slightly and, grudgingly, begun to teach Trip how to fight. I'm sorry, Victor. I just... I didn't know what to do and I got angry and I didn't mean to say what I said and... He trailed off as Victor reached the campfire and sat down. Tell me, please. Victor turned and looked hard at Trip. Your memory, boy. It's the problem. He tapped the side of Trip's head. This up here, you fall back on it all the time. A fighter can't be reactive. That's a recipe for a dead fighter. He looked into the little fire crackling between them. I'll admit, training you is taxing even me. Normally, a boy learns to fight by practising a set stock of moves until he can string them together. Then he starts to improvise based around that. But you, you remember everything first time. Your problem is that if I hit you with the same thing over and over, you'll stop it every time. So i got to try a different thing, and another, until you get the idea that you can't keep using that memory. Tripp stared at Victor. It was the most he had ever heard the old fighter speak at once and the look on his face was almost caring. He heard Victor sigh and turn back around. Don't get me wrong, boy. You've got a gift. Nourish it. Practice it. But never rely on it. Not for things like this. Trip looked up and saw that Victor was holding the practice sword out. I'm sorry, Victor, he said, taking it. Can we try again? Not tonight. <clears throat> Not tonight, Victor said gruffly, and Trip watched as the barriers came back down. Time we got some sleep, boy. He lay down, while Trip huddled under a blanket, 
feeling every stone on the ground dig into him. Somewhere off in the darkness, an owl hooted. Trip lay, looking up at the stars, and found sleep impossible. The crackle of the fire seemed to spark off images in his mind, a tangle of impressions too numerous to count. Tricky thing, memory, Victor said finally. Hmm? I remember all kinds of things. The good, the bad. Mostly that. Bad, I mean. Tripp stared into the night sky. He remembered talks that started like this with some of the priests at the library, once the peach wine was flowing. Funny thing is, boy, I never quite remember it like it was. Things come to the front. Others push to the back. First fight, I remember that like it were yesterday. River giant, he seemed ten feet tall, eyes like coals, blue teeth. Trip heard him roll over, shuffling under his blanket. I remember arguments, but not the making up. Sometimes I remember the good times, but not why we were having them. There must be lots of good memories in there, though. What about your wife? Aye. She was good to an old grouch. Ramira, her name was. Eyes of blue, golden hair, and a heart that matched that and all. He chuckled a little, then sighed. I hope you can have memories of someone who's loved you, boy. I... I remember everything. What we had for breakfast, what you were wearing when we first met, what the words are on page 17 of Victor and the Hell Cows of Shangif. Everything. The good and the bad. Everything. Boy, that's more curse than blessing. There wasn't much Trip could say to that, and the silence between them extended until sleep took him. The morning brought rain. Dark clouds gathered over the course of their first hour's walking, and then the heavens opened. North Pid's just over the next hill, boy, Victor called. He was carrying the heavier bag. That morning he had picked it up without comment, and Trip had forced himself to ignore the grisly contents of the small sack. Why are we going to North Pid? I thought you were taking me to Fenneker. Well, quickest way to Fenneker is down the river. There's a man, lives in a workshop here, something of a master at his craft. You'll see. Victor seemed in high spirits as he hiked up the hill. Trying to keep the rain out of his eyes, Trip did his best to follow him along the slippery path, and it wasn't long before his feet were caked in greyish mud. As they walked under the sign that said, Welcome to North Pid, the rain slowed to a drizzle, and by the time they had reached the centre of town, it had stopped completely. Now... Let's see. It was round here somewhere, Victor said, looking around the small village square. A market had apparently been in full swing before the storm had hit. Stalls were abandoned, produce hastily covered. Bordering the market, wooden poles with glass spheres fastened onto them were embedded into the ground, long ropes of some sort of metal linking them together like spider webs. Water dripped from them. It was an eerie sight, and Tripp started to look anxiously for any signs of life from the buildings bordering the square. The church, much smaller than most he had seen, sat next to a wide tavern, a baker's shop mingled with several small cottages, and a much larger house. The blacksmith's forge, its chimney belching smoke apparently abandoned. A weight began to grow in Tripp's stomach. Without warning, the door to the inn banged open, and people began to flow out. Tripp breathed a sigh of relief as he saw the blacksmith return to his forge, the stallholders begin to uncover their wares and windows begin to open all around. Within minutes, the small open space was crammed with people buying and selling. Keep your purse tight, lad, Victor muttered, adjusting his belt. 
These traders will have a man's coppers out before you can say a word. Tripp just stared around at the mountains of produce that were suddenly available to him for just a few coins. Bread looking like it had been baked just moments before. Whole fish whose scales shone in the sunlight. Necklaces of river-polished rocks. Parchment and paper, from very thick to incredibly thin. He drifted towards the warm, musty scent of books, and then stopped short as he caught the eye of the tall man behind the stall. Hello, young lad, the stallkeeper boomed. What can I do for you? Just looking, sir, he replied. Go look somewhere else then, boy. This is for paying customers. Tripp stared up at the man and was about to retort when he caught sight of Victor leaving the square. As he caught up, Tripp realised they were heading towards a building, long and low, perched on top of a small hillock. It had several windows which were up near the slatted roof, and Tripp realised that the wires from the market square were all connected to a single mast where they bunched up into one cable that snaked up to the building. Workshop's just here, lad, Victor said. It'll be good to see Richard again. A short set of steps led up to the front door. Without any further delay, they climbed the steps and Victor knocked on the door. No answer. Richard, he called. Still nothing. Man's always in this time of day. Shouldn't be a problem, Victor said as he knocked again, then rattled the door. Go look round the back. Tripp put his sack down and walked around the long edge of the building. The small garden at the back of the workshop was heavily overgrown and Tripp bit his lip, suddenly worried. The plant things, had they been here first? Perhaps something terrible had happened. A small window, open a crack, caught his eye as Victor came round to join him. No answer. This ain't good. He pointed up at the window. Reckon you could fit through that. He could be down at the market, Tripp said, eyeing the small window doubtfully, but Victor was already shaking his head. No, he's never out. Folks bring him supplies so that he doesn't have to. Get in there, boy. He laced his fingers together to boost Tripp up, then looked him square in the eyes. Please. Tripp stared into his eyes for a moment, then carefully put his foot into Victor's hands. A moment later he was clambering up over the windowsill and sliding down inside. <laughs> <laughs>